I'm Andrea, one of the hosts of the Voice of San Diego podcast. Every week, I get together with the other editors at Voice and explain the news that matters in San Diego. Elections, politics, law enforcement, big investigations, and some fun stuff. The great palm tree debate, ranked choice voting, bike lane mania. It's great journalism and a lot of fun. Every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, that's Voice of San Diego. Uh, I commend you for your persistence. And I at least was just sitting here relaxing with a cup of your coffee. Oh, thank you. So you. it was problems <laughs> for me at all. I got tried to hook it up through my camera. <laughs> I got the mixing board. That's awesome. I got, I got, I got my... Uh, <laughs> my microphone that just has no you know so there you go hey you know well, we're so here long. and it's working yep and we're recording hey good morning everyone welcome to season five episode nine of the roast west coast coffee podcast I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the show where I bring you the stories of coffee professionals, entrepreneurship, and coffee education. You're about to hear my interview with Samir Benoir. He's the founder and owner of Milka Coffee Roasters in downtown Sacramento, or if you prefer, Sacramento, California. Samir had some real pain in the neck technical difficulties getting the mic to connect for this show. While he struggled with the audio, I sat in my closet podcasting studio sipping coffee. It was actually quite a nice meditation for me. And the coffee was a Rwanda that Samir had roasted and kindly sent down south. I had brought the bag with me into the closet, and the smell of the chocolate and cherry and sweet fruit just filled this space. It was awesome. I think it was the least stressed I've ever been about getting the audio set up for this show. And I have to think it was because of that coffee. We talk a lot at the beginning of this episode about Samir's cafe space in the Mansion Flats neighborhood of Sacramento. If you want to see photos while you're listening, follow and check out at Milka underscore coffee on Instagram, or check out the newest post on roastwestcoast.com. You could also get online and start looking at houses for sale near Milka Coffee, because Samir is a verbal ambassador for the city. And if you're like me, you'll want to move there after this show. I chatted with Samir a few weeks ago, and sadly, I've already run out of the coffees he shared with me. Luckily, I live close enough to walk to Steady State Coffee Roasting in Carlsbad Village. I picked up a bag of their Space Traveler blend of Guatemala and Ethiopia coffees yesterday. It is one of my favorite everyday cups of coffee, and I often keep a bag here at the house. Today I'm definitely picking up the caramel and apple notes, but I've got to stretch a little bit for the berry. I've been working on being more proactive about profiling coffees lately, but I'm still a work in progress. Whatever you are out there brewing or buying this morning, I hope you've got a full coffee mug, because it is time for this conversation with Samir Benoit, founder and head coffee roaster at Milka Coffee Roasters. Good. These are, uh, you know, the OG headphones prior to the <laughs> new ports in the phone, so I had to dig through like six uh, <laughs> six drawers to find these. I was like, I'm not using my computer audio today, okay? I refuse to use a MacBook Air's <laughs> audio because that's just going to be with everything going on. 
Hey, I have done this show in so many different ways. I've had times where we just couldn't get it to work for whatever reason. And I have people call me through like a Zoom or call in. And then I'm recording it on my phone through the computer. Like, you know, whatever it is to get the, it's all about content. You know, this is 2022. (laughs) I mean, as long as, as long as people are like, you know, you're talking, you're having a nice conversation and it doesn't really matter how, I mean, I know you, I've been listening to your podcast and I know you've, uh, you've done some stuff outside. So, and that sounded just fine. So I'm not too worried. People are very forgiving if they're enjoying, you know, the conversation. And I had no audio experience really when I started this and I only have a small amount now. So we're still getting better every week. I'm still getting better every week and uh, we'll keep improving. And I should say before we get too far into this, welcome to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you putting in so much effort to be here. And I'm going to just tell everyone, I'm drinking a coffee of yours, uh, Rwanda coffee, and I don't want to butcher this name, but maybe you can say it in a second. When I opened the bag this morning, the aroma that hit me was so overwhelming. Uh, It was just quite (laughs) lovely in a big cherry chocolatey way. And I've this, I don't normally make a second cup of coffee. And today I did because I was just enjoying it so much. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's a, the Gasharu um, from uh, Umuko importing and they're, they're actually a really cool story They're It's basically a family in Rwanda and one of the sons, uh, as I understand it, moved to Baltimore to pursue the medical field. I think he's in administration and they were importing their com- coffee through like different importing companies and they weren't getting pr- good prices. Like they weren't matching cost of production. Obviously that's like the problem that we have in, you know, coffee these days. And so the kid, he, Chris, he's just like, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and get my importing license and I'm going to import this coffee. So he started a MUCO and uh, has been importing since. And so this is the second year we've got this. We have the washed and we have the washed on batch brew right now. And uh, the natural, which is what you have. Um, and that's on flash brew, which is actually what I'm drinking right now. This is my go-to. Yeah. When it starts getting warmer, it's going to be 80 degrees here today. And, you know, we're not going to hope. Well, I don't know. It's been crazy. It's been very bipolar in Northern California. We had snow like a week and a half ago so yeah we were planning uh we were planning a trip to yosemite about two weeks ago mm. and as i'm watching the weather everything looked good <laughs> everything looked good and then all of a sudden they're like well we might get 24 inches of snow like the day we're driving there yeah and temperatures are going to drop down to 10 degrees at night and we're like ah, i don't think we want to camp on the ground <laughs> like, no no you for, do not want to camp when, and also just driving into Yosemite yeah. and like the roads and it's just, it's dangerous when it starts getting ice and stuff. It's, it's just not, it's not worth it, but it was cool. Cause we went and got a little bit of powder up at, we go to Palisades, formerly Squaw. And uh, yeah, we got a little powder day, powder day nice. in and the end of, or what was that? April who gets when, <laughs> when's the last book? I mean, powder in April is that's insane for California. We're like, you know, they extended the season. Uh, we, we've had our Yosemite trip canceled now, uh, four years in a row. (laughs) I've never been and four years in a row we've planned this trip and twice because of wildfire rerouted us. 
And this year, because of snow and cold, and they actually did close the roads to the camp we were going to, so we wouldn't have gotten there anyway. And then once because of the pandemic. And so I'm starting cool. to wonder if I'm ever going to make it. And then even even then, maybe it's a better story if I don't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Are, are you gonna go? You're gonna go uh, backpacking, camping at least, if not backpacking. Okay. My wife Trying and I are gonna be camping all summer. We'll be doing a big 12 state camping trip, and we'll be coming actually back through Sacramento, and oh, cool. we're leaving it open ended for Yosemite because we just don't want to plan it and then have it get canceled. So we're gonna kind of yeah. we left those last that last week open, and uh, if we make it, we make it. If we don't, so be it. Well, you'll you'll make it. Just uh, as long as there's no fires, I'm glad it's it's good that it's raining and you know there's clouds overhead right now. It's like not kind of nice to push back that fire because I mean it's it's in Sacramento we get like a thick dense you know whenever there's a fire anywhere around us so it it kind of like dampens the mood here. Which summers are amazing. I mean like what's one of my favorite times? We have a beautiful river. We have, uh, you know, we have two rivers, actually. We have one where you can boat on and then one where you can raft on. So it's like we're a river town, you know, when there's smoke, you just, you can't go outside. So last summer, it kind of took over our whole summer. We had three massive fires within, you know, 40 miles or 50 miles of here. So it's kind of, yeah, I mean, but not to dampen this, this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good it's a good reminder that we're all dealing with climate change in different ways. And, mm -hmm. you know, my family is in Wisconsin. And when there is a fire in California anywhere, I usually get a phone call like, are you OK? And I'll be like, well, it's like 14 hours away. But yeah, like we're good. <laughs> but at the same time, like it's a reminder that in the state that I live, people are dealing with it in that moment. And we just we've been uh, in Southern California. We've had, a, a, I'd say, a lucky few years south of L.A. where we haven't had any major fires for two or three, a couple small ones, but yeah, but it's, you know, you kind of always feel like you are on the edge of this. Okay. Well, that, that's not going to last forever. Yeah. I live right near the beach, which about a half mile walk to the shore. Amazing. And the closest that we've had, uh, was a fire at camp Pendleton, which is just North of here. And, but certainly like sitting on my porch and we had ash coming down and it was definitely eye opening. you know, it's, uh, you get used to the idea of fires now. When I when I hear about them, I'm like, all right, where is it on the map? But it still still can be a thing. You know, we we're prepared. We got you know stuff in fire bags, and we got stuff if we have, if we have to go, we have a plan in place. Yeah, yeah, we're we're lucky in um, in downtown Sacramento that we have the rivers for. Well, I mean, I should say we're lucky. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? You know, but we have the rivers that kind of provide a, a good enough fire break and they're like wide rivers like not they're not small you know it's like yeah you know 30 feet across for, or maybe probably more honestly i don't understand distance very well so, <laughs> <laughs> like i don't know i don't think i could throw a baseball across the rivers let's just go let's use that as a as a, as that's a pretty yeah that's a good distance i'm i'm always told uh by my better half that i don't i'm not aware of my three-dimensionality yeah. And uh, I keep running into things. And so oh, yeah. I understand that concept. We're already 10 minutes into this chat. I haven't asked you if you could just your name. <laughs> what, okay. yeah. What's yeah. for the people, uh, the business, you know, what your job title is and maybe how did you end up in Sacramento? I ramble. So if you ever need to just be like, <laughs> dude, back on topic, please, please do. My name is Samir Benoit. 
I own uh, Milka Coffee Roasters here in Sacramento, California. We're just a small uh, roastery and one coffee shop right now, kind of branching out into wholesale and uh, doing, you know, just doing normal cafe stuff. Uh, and I am currently, I roast the coffee and I do everything else. I run the business. I have an amazing staff or team or whatever you want to call them. Um, Mary uh, is our general manager, so she manages it. So luckily I don't deal with too much of the day-to-day coffee shop stuff, just kind of the overall like here, what what's a big decision that needs to be made and I have to make it kind of kind of stuff. And I think that's what a lot of people in my in one one coffee shop positions where you're trying to grow or trying to grow that they get into. I'm actually from Sacramento. This is where I was born and raised. Uh, the name Milka comes from my great grandmother, Milka Radnich, who immigrated from the former Yugoslavia, which would she would have been from Croatia had there been a Croatia at the time. Yeah, she immigrated here or migrated at more like, I think that's more the correct term, to Sacramento in the 1920s. So yeah, my family's been here for 100 years about now. And yeah, I guess that would make me fourth generation. Um, And then my my dad's from North Africa. He's from Algeria and he's first generation. So I have kind of like, you know, that split personality in that sense. But yeah, I'm Sacramentan. And uh, lived uh, left here after high school. Went a bunch of different places. Lived in lived down in Long Beach, right by you. Have a lot of friends in San Diego. Lived in New York. Lived in the Bay Area for a little bit. My parents currently live in the Berkeley Hills. And uh, and then I moved back to Sacramento because Sacramento, Sacramento, man, I I love it. It's my hometown. It's like where I feel comfortable. It's uh, I just I'm used to it. It's got so many trees. And I mean, I love trees. I love just being, I love walking through a, a city where you feel like you're in the wilderness. Like you could turn down a street and you're like, whoa, why are there so many trees and like houses and like not a businesses. And then you like walk out and you're like, oh, there's like 20 businesses right here. And I can go get like a beer. Or I can go get coffee or I can go get, you know, really good food. And so it's, it's a cool city in that it's like one of the most walkable places. It's like 30 minutes across one side to the other, maybe 40. I walk pretty fast. So I'll say like 45 <laughs> from one end to the other. And, uh, and yeah, it's totally flat, bikeable, one of the best. We got a river, you can, you know, we got like 50 miles of river biking. And yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty fun. And I think that's why I came back. That's why I ended up back here is just, this is where I kind of am like, um, I want to, you know, build this community and talk about it and have other people talking about it like I'm talking about it. And so, yeah, that's why, that's why I'm back here. I mean, I'm tagging the city of, of Sacramento Chamber of Commerce in this this video or this audio at some point in the future because it's going <laughs> to go viral and talk about Sacramento. I actually have a close friend here from Sacramento who is just as much of an ambassador for Sacramento as you are. And he's yeah. always saying, you got to go up there. You got to check it out. I think you'd really like it. And uh, he's a, a brewer here for Juneshine, if you've heard of Juneshine Kombucha. Yeah, of course. Awesome. Greg Peters, shout out to Greg. He doesn't listen to the show, <laughs> but he does love Sacramento. And I want to get into a bunch of stuff. But since we're talking about Sacramento, I want to talk a little bit about the building your shop is in. I saw some photos of it and it's it looks beautiful, like a historic building. I'm wondering, uh, it's in the Mansion Flats community of Sacramento. Why did you find this place? Like what, what spoke to you about it? And what was the process to get it from when you 
walked into it to where it is now because it looks like you you must have done some work to it oh yeah yeah i mean if you just saw me take a deep breath it's like (laughs) it's one of those things where it's like it's a physical you know like it's a feeling it's like you know oh man that was like a lot of work but it's so rewarding and you know would i do it again you'd have to ask me a couple times (laughs) because it's 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 tough yeah, it's in a it's in an old Victorian, which is which is very very Sacramento. Sacramento's like gone through the American, you know, architectural design phases, like from Italianate to to uh, like Queen Anne Victorian to Craftsman to like bungalow to like you know all the cool cal- you know American styles, I guess, except for like brownstones and then maybe whatever colonial homes before that. But this is actually like, yeah, an Italianate Queen Anne building built in uh, uh, 1861. So we just hit 160 years uh, last year of it being of it, it's since the year it was built. Built in 1861. You know, I fell in love with this building because I've grown up in Sacramento around Victorians walking around downtown as a kid and they feel very familiar and, you know, very comfortable for me. Our art museum is in a Victorian, uh, the Crocker, or it's kind of now got a modern wing and an older wing. And so it, it, I just grew up in these things. And when I saw this building for sale and I was looking to move back from New York to, to Sacramento and I was kind of like, what's going to bring me back? Like I need to find something. I'm not going to come back here and get like a strip mall shop, you know, cause I, I, want something unique and very Sacramento and I want people to come into these places and feel like they're at their house. Cause a lot of people live in these buildings down the street and in our neighborhood. So that was kind of my, my main thing was like, I want to be very Sacramento. I want to feel comfortable and I want people to feel comfortable. And so I saw this talk to our real estate agent and was like, we got to do this, whatever it takes. So we actually ended up purchasing the building. My father and mother are like, angels they're the greatest people ever and they have supported me to the end of the earth and back and uh, I probably don't give them enough love (laughs) so mom dad when you listen to this or you know this is this is that moment where you know you get all that praise and yeah they helped me my dad and I uh we call them pops so pops and I we spent the better part of three years you know renovating painting fixing all the cracks getting it up to standards, just going through all the permitting, historic preservation. This is like a historically registered building in Sacramento. So that registry kind of makes it a little bit more difficult. You have to adhere to certain standards, even with landscaping. And we had to get landscaping approved. We had to put in a lift because it's, you know, 48, 40 some odd inches off of the ground. So we put in a, a, uh, wheelchair lift so we can make sure that we can serve you know every community no matter what yeah it was it was a really long and kind of difficult and testing project and I was like if this doesn't work out I'm gonna be really sad (laughs) this is gonna be one of those things where you like tell your kids like uh you know you tell the story but luckily we did a great job my partner is an interior architect and she did a phenomenal job of of designing it and we're still designing it we still have stuff that we're working on we're constantly re-renovating and adding things and moving things because i believe like a coffee shop is a 
it's it's a living breathing organism it's not just something that you put in there and you go okay we're done like you know we've changed out pretty much everything in this place like three or four times even the bar with the espresso machine puff press you know like grinders new grinders with like the grind by weight stuff everything to make people's lives easier and make the coffee taste better we're constantly evolving and so i think that's kind of like why i chose this building because i knew that that's what this building needed and that's what like i how i am is constantly like evolving for better or for worse and uh i think yeah i felt really at home in this space when i first toured it and yeah people do feel at home like you you'll hear people and they go it's like i'm sitting in my grandma's house again you know and it's like <laughs> that it feels like that and that's kind of milka it's like a, the face it's kind of a cartoon of my great grandmother and yeah it kind of feels like she'd be sitting in the window and uh, just kind of like looking out at the world, you know, and that's, that's kind of how I picture the space. I do love that, that thought of uh, the shop being and the, and the building itself ever evolving, um, ever changing. There is a stagnation that happens in a lot of businesses, a lot of hospitality businesses. When something works right away, your people get afraid to change it. And the reality is, is your customers will change and grow in the same way that your business will. And the design really is beautiful. Um, I don't want to get too far away from kind of going back in time. Before you got into coffee as a business, did you have any experience with coffee? What was your first kind of memory where you're like, you know, this is something I'm into? You know, what brought you, what, what started you down this path? So I think th this is going to be one of those ones where... <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to feel kind of sell outy in a way because I I actually came to coffee as like with a business mindset, you know. I really I started brewing beer uh and uh really wanted to start a brewery and realized like I don't have access to like a million dollars to buy a huge brewer and like, you know, those those businesses are built to scale and I, that's not my personality at all. I'm not like a built to scale kind of guy. Like I said, it's like a breathing organism. Like that's what I want. I want to be able to, you know, mold and meld and brewing is not as much that. And uh, so I was like, what else can I do that has a, you know, lower entry point? I realized, okay, I'm working at this bar in Brooklyn that has bar restaurant that also has a cafe in it and coffee shop in the morning. And I had to work in the coffee shop part a little bit, but I mostly did, you know, beer tending in the evenings. And yeah, I was like, okay, well, coffee. So I looked into it and I was like, okay, it's pretty cheap to buy a roaster. It's pretty, you know, all this <laughs> stuff. And so then I started going to coffee shops and started to like research and do my, and then I kind of started falling in love with it and being, so it kind of came to, to it from a business perspective where I was like, I was finding something to do after grad school. Cause I have a master's in fine arts and poetry from the new school in Manhattan. And <laughs> And I knew I didn't want to go into publishing and I knew I wasn't going to make any money <laughs> writing books of poetry, trying to sell them. I'm not one of those people who can like, you know, I'm not, I'm a good teacher in a way, but I'm not like, you know, I'm not structured enough to like teach full time. So you're speaking to a guy with an English creative writing degree who sold a book on, uh, through, on Venmo the other day and was stoked about it. So I Dude, feel congrats. you right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, I finished grad school and I was like, I, I got to do something. Brewing didn't work out. Coffee seemed like the next kind of version of that. And uh, yeah, I, was, I mean, I, I was in and out of coffee shops uh, 
in grad school while I was writing my thesis, but I didn't really drink a lot of coffee. I mostly drank beer. I would like, you know, start writing at 11, have my first beer. No, I'm just kidding. No, I would be writing at home and then I would go and, you know, and then I kind of was like, okay, I'll try coffee. And I never really drank coffee before that. And, you know, got lucky that I was one of those rare people who like started drinking coffee, started drinking specialty coffee. I didn't really ever drink bad coffee. Like I never drank like, you know, Starbucks or Folgers. And not that Starbucks is bad coffee, but I never drank Folgers or like anything like that. I kind of just came in and was like, well, Brooklyn has all these dope coffee shops. I'm going to, you know, just drink good coffee. And so I decided to go and get a job in coffee because I was like, I need to do that before I get a start a business in coffee. You know, I can't just kind of be one of those. I mean, I guess you can. If, if you want to start a coffee business and you've never been in a coffee business and you do enough research and you like, you know, you can do it, but really there's no substitute for going and, you know, getting a job in, in the coffee industry and working on bar and, you know, like actually dialing in every day so that, you know, oh, if I roast this coffee, it's going to actually get used, you know, because a lot of people don't think that they go, oh, I'm going to roast coffee and it's going to taste good. And it's like, well, but then there's got to be usages for that we got to be able to dial it in easily you have to be able to dial it in on the espresso machine easily batch brew easily you know i got a job at brooklyn roasting company and uh kind of just learned how to be a barista and bought a little coffee roaster while i was working there and started roasting fell in love and that's kind of my origin story it's a little different than uh but i will say that their cold brew it's a natural or it was at the time a natural sadamo was just like out of this world and the greatest shot still of espresso is a honduran coffee i can't remember where it was from that i got to dial in and actually work with and it was just straight like blood orange and grapefruit and like just this like melange of like tropical fruit and it was just it was an insane cup of coffee and I, we got to work with it for maybe like a couple weeks while it was in season and it was just like and so those that those kind of two coffees are if you're looking for like my my gateway coffees <laughs> those are those are the two that kind of were like oh okay so this is what coffee is this is this is where we're at this is what's going to like i'm gonna wake up every morning drink a great cup of coffee and be super stoked you know and so that kind of that that got me in yeah, that that gateway uh, beverage is so important. My first cup of coffee was from a place called Dark Matter in Chicago, oh, cool. uh, also a great specialty roaster. But then I I regressed and I went right to diner coffee for several years after that. So I'm back I'm back on the specialty coffee horse for the last several years. Good. <laughs> How long has Milka been open? So we uh, opened February thirteenth, twenty nineteen. Um, which is actually my brother's 35th birthday. So we opened on his birthday kind of as like a, we, I, I mean, I love the family thing. So, you know, that's kind of why we went that with that. So three years. So three years. So you had almost a year in before pandemic hit. Oh, How yeah. did you guys navigate through that period being a new business? I kind of feel like that first year is like, okay, we got a plan. We're going to see if it actually works. And then like that second year is like, let's go into overdrive and do all these things we want to do. But then you get hit by this pandemic. How did you guys adapt and, and what has this experience been like for you? Oh, uh, how did we adapt? Well, we 
hung on for dear life <laughs> at first <laughs> and kind of just were like, well, this is, this is our life now. Um, we got really lucky that in that first year, we did a lot of work with community. We had a lot of events. We had a lot of art shows and we had like a pretty like solid group of people who like a solid following, I would say. Um, I kind of don't like to use that because it feels like we're in a cult or something. But <laughs> specialty coffee is a cult for sure. There's no question. Oh, definitely. About <laughs> 100%. 100%. And I mean, any any great uh, industry is is very cultish, you know, because because you have to be to be like really focused on something. We got hit by the pandemic. Uh, a lot of people left because they either it was their time to go, honestly, or it was like they're worried about the pandemic, which is totally understandable. So it ended up that we had two employees and me that basically ran the shop for maybe like three or four months. Um, and then we had a third employee who kind of came in and worked weekends and helped us out and did stuff. And it, yeah, we just kind of pivoted and that's, that was, you know, that was it. I, I don't, we, we we're very lucky because we did that groundwork in the first year and uh, we're in smack dab in the middle of a neighborhood. And so we're not in like a central business district so our walking score is not amazing, but when the pandemic hit, everyone was at home. And I mean, I know you've heard this a million times over and over again, like all the people, like, you know, the coffee industry shifted to neighborhoods and to people's homes buying bags of coffee, which in coffee, bags of coffee is, you know, pretty much our highest margin product. That helped a ton. We got a lot of people buying a lot of coffee. We were you know, a central hub for people's like daily walk. You know, everyone had their one walk of the day where they got out, stretched their legs, took their dog out, you know, got to feel a little normal for a bit before having to go lock themselves back in their house. And so we were on everyone's daily rock walk route. We got to kind of be part of the their um, happiness during that time. And I think that really, it made us feel really good. And it just kind of like made me realized that what I had dreamed for this place in such in the weirdest like dystopian way was like happening. You know, we were there, like we felt like we were there home away from home, you know, they came in and they're like, Oh, this is my daily like ritual. Now I go to Milka and I go get my maple latte and I get to chat with Samir for a little bit. And then I go home and then like, that's made my day. Like that's their highlight of their day. And like, you know, that's every coffee shop wants their, or any business in general wants, especially in the food service industry, wants people's uh, favorite part of their day to be inside of their, you know, you know, space. So I think kind of in a weird way, it, it, uh, it kind of solidified us as a business in Sacramento and in this neighborhood of Mansion Flats specifically. And so uh, we pivoted in that way where we were just like, okay, we've got to stop like thinking about growth and start thinking about what are we doing for the people around us? The more I'm listening to you talk, I keep we keep coming back to this like theme of evolution and how things change and grow and you know the community and your experience. I'm wondering where you are at now when it comes to roasting. You're three years old as a business. You kind of went into coffee knowing you were going down this path. What is kind of your philosophy with roasting and how has that changed over time? Yeah. So I've, I've got a kind of an interesting philosophy, I think, because I, 
I, I find the intersection between your regular everyday coffee and coffee drinker, not like people are regular, but you know what I mean? Like the people who come into your shop who don't necessarily care about specialty coffee in the way that you and I might care about specialty coffee, you know? And I find, I've always tried to find the intersection between that person and then the super nerd about coffee. Like I'm a super nerd about coffee. Like I'm, I've got like my partner, she, she like was like, please don't buy any more brewing devices because you (laughs) have the gamut. Like I have maybe like 35 different brewing devices, an espresso machine, two grinders at my house. It's like, it's so bad. And, you know, I cup at my house all the time because, you know, I like being comfortable when I cup. I don't like being in a sterile environment because it allows me to kind of like be a little bit more forgiving, I guess, with coffee, which I think we need to all be more forgiving with coffee. Guys, let's, you know, coffee is good <laughs> enough at this point to where most of the coffee you drink is specialty anyways, you know? So I think I've tried to find that palate intersection where you you got the people who want the chocolatey, like maybe nutty orange, you know, maybe like a little cherry raspberry and then, find the the people who want the super light funky you know like the ventilera that i sent you the black honey where it's just like pineapple and like cherry and like just like fudge and just like crazy like tootsie roll like i'll get tootsie roll on my thing on my little cupping sheet for that all the time because it just tastes like tootsie rolls to me and so like i find the intersection and and you can roast for both of those people so i roast for both of those people I roast, you know, our espresso to a point where it's not necessarily your traditional espresso. I'm doing air quotes right now. Um, it's uh, <laughs> over over traditional. It's a light lighter than what you would say, but it still has that development uh, in the Maillard, you know, that caramelization that allows it to translate to basically anything. And then also has the development post-crack to also allow you to have good extractions that aren't too sour or aren't, you know, highly acidic. So like that is my kind of like, that's where I think we should be in roasting is kind of there. And then I roast the light stuff because that's what I like. And I think, you know, so I'm very like bipolar with my roasting. I like make sure that I can roast to, you know, people and still kind of bring them into that specialty zone. And then I have like the straight, like crazy, you know, super (laughs) out there coffees. Because I believe in both. Yeah, there's always that customer that brings his own refractometer into the shop. Is he exists? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's going to be like takes it, puts a little, puts a little lid on it, <laughs> and like runs it down the street to their house. Yep. You know, for me, if I didn't have this show and have some experience in coffee, um, I did spend a year working as a barista. I'd probably just be the guy, and I still am mostly the guy that walks in and just orders whatever the batch brew is, kind of because I like to see what different places are doing with it, but I don't get too worked up about the science of things. It's just not my area. I'm more about the experience and the flavor. And for me, the experience in the shop is just as important as the coffee. Mm -hmm. Although it's nice when they're both, when they both work together. Uh, You mentioned earlier that your partner uh, is an interior design architect, uh, or you have one in the, the process of the building. 
If you could describe maybe what the vibe is like inside Milka, I've been saying how much I enjoy it, but for people listening, could you say, like, kind of describe what it's like if you walk through the door? You have this really distinctive kind of green door that I'll post a photo of or share your photo of. And, um, but what's it like when people come in, you know, what's the experience like for them? Yeah. So, and shout out to my, my uncle Ahmed and my dad for, uh, or my pops for, uh, cutting out that that door was a solid door and they actually cut the window into it and had it we bought like a you know a uh it's an arched door at, for all of you listening it's an arched door and they cut out the wood in it and put in a window it's it's insane that they were able to do that it's amazing but yeah you walk through this arch door with a big window in it you're hit with the espresso machine i wanted the espresso machine to be like front and center so you know like okay, this is what we're about. And then you got the green kind of subway tile with uh, some, you know, wood corner guard. We have the maple half rounds as the bar and like a white uh, stone, style stone countertop. And you come in and you're already like face to face with the barista. You walk around the bar, take your order. You know, everything's, we have exposed brick, wood, obviously drywall, tile. So we have a good mixture of textures and colors, uh, very earth-centric, green, like really nice, beautiful kind of hunter green tile um, that makes you, you know, feel a little more at home, like I said. And then you walk into the seating area and it's all wood wood benches and schoolhouse chairs. Also, like we found these crazy emerald uh hunter green schoolhouse chairs from a literal school in berkeley california i found them for like five bucks a chair on craigslist drove over there and picked up 20 of them from uh from a charter school that was sadly going out of business and uh yeah so the the, it's kind of got this like more like it's almost like a modern and kind of like you know like kind of simple vibe but it has so many little details and textures and like so many different materials, like, you know, tile, stone, wood, you know, that you and all like wood floors, terrazzo floors in another part of it, terrazzo tile, I should say, not actually real terrazzo, because that's would be crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it's got like all of these mixture of textures and like feelings and nostalgia when you come in there that it kind of, yeah, it kind of takes people aback and makes people go like, whoa, what am I? Where am I? You know, you're knowing now that you're from there that you spent time in Brooklyn and New York the the visual of the place makes more sense to me because mm-hmm. the evolution of every building in Brooklyn and New York is you know 200 years and at some point it's been every different type yeah. of thing and there's yep. a good ch- I, you know my favorite meme on the internet is uh, or on social media the internet and I'm like 400 years old uh, is like hey we need to repair our new Brooklyn apartment and you just see a guy painting over you know, taking thick white paint and going over every outlet and every, you know, thing. And yeah, when my Pretty wife much. and I were in Crown Heights uh, in Brooklyn, that was that was our experience, certainly. And one time, uh, the very first day we moved in, I'm just remembering this right now, the ceiling above the shower caved in with water because someone had left the shower running upstairs. Oh, and so God. our landlord had to come running over. It was our very first night in New York. Uh, and... <laughs> Welcome. Yep. And they basically like put some wood up there and then I just watched him paint over the hole and I was like, <laughs> I don't know how that's how long that's going to last. Like, 
but all right, you know, like here's my money. <laughs> <laughs> and it probably lasted as long as you were there. Oh yeah, certainly as long as we were there, but uh, I don't know where they get that paint. But your that the visual of your place makes more sense knowing that you had some of that Brooklyn experience too. That subway tile really stood out to me. Yeah. Where are you guys going? You you know, we're in a weird place in the world where we kind of feel like people are going out more. I've been an extremist about COVID and even I'm going out pretty regularly at this point to get coffee and stores and whatever, seeing people. Where is Milka Coffee going into the future, 2022 and beyond? Yeah, so I think starting with the kind of moving out, uh, not moving out, but like going out and doing things. Sacramento is pretty spread out city. So I think people feel a little more comfortable here than they might in a little more packed in space like the Bay Area. So I think we've been kind of lucky with that, with this new like transitioning into like, you know, air quotes again, normal. But we actually do have a second shop in the in the works right now. And it's actually an all outdoor space. Um, The coffee shop will be the actual serving area, the bar where the people will be working. That's inside a building. And then the whole rest of it is outside. So we kind of are like, well, if this is going to happen again, and we're going to keep dealing with that, and we're in Sacramento, and people aren't celebrating the outdoors as much as they should here, we should just make an outdoor space that's like really beautiful and reminds people of how nice it is to like sit outside. And I think that's one thing we've gained from the pandemic is that realization that we don't have to do everything inside. We can still have a great time and be outside. We can build these crazy parklets and have, you know, we can, we can do that. We can, we can enjoy the sun, you know, and not be scared and need our AC all the time. So I think we've, we've, uh, we, we're doing that. We're doing the second shop. We moved into a little bit larger, larger roasting space recently, uh, hooked up, got a luring. So everything's going to be super tasty. That's why I think those, those coffees are really shining and like have none of that roastiness. And I believe that's the beauty of a luring because I can taste test between my San Franciscan and then my luring. And I'm like, this is the same coffee roasted basically the same way. There's like, it's pretty easy to to match up the things and the luring just doesn't have that little kind of, you know, you know, burnt shell taste, I guess, you know, like the outer wall of the, the bean gets a little bit, you know, (laughs) darker than the inner side and the inside of the bean. So it doesn't have that. And you can kind of taste that on the cupping table really well. So we're, that's where we're moving. I mean, we're, we're just going to do, I think a couple shops and do wholesale. And I don't know, like I said, I, I don't, I don't plan too far ahead. And that's obviously another thing that the, the, the pandemic has taught me is that you can't, you know, it's like a really good reminder that life is very good at changing for you. You know, like you don't always have control of where you're going. So I don't anymore really think like, oh, I'm going to make a five or 10 year business plan. I have my goals and uh, whether I get there uh, or not is going to be dictated kind of by how the world changes around me. So I think yeah, I'm really excited for what we're doing over at that new shop. And I think people are really, really going to love it in Sacramento. It's going to be a little bit of a departure from like what people are doing in the coffee industry, specifically in, in Sacramento, at least. And I, I think that's what we're kind of trying to do is always bring new ideas and, you know, kind of change the game a little bit and, and make people kind of think like, oh, what what can we do? You know, and, and hopefully that gets people 
to do that, like other people, like I don't need to be doing all this stuff. <laughs> you know, I want other people to kind of get inspired by what I'm doing. That's my main goal in life is to inspire other people to, to, to do something that will then inspire someone else. Sure. Uh, any idea when that second location will be open up for people? Uh, my goal is September. And okay. I say that and then I laugh. Because <laughs> I've said that before. I said May. I said May a few months ago. So, you know, we're taking it slow. We don't we don't rush anything. It took us three years to open Milka, and I think we got a great product out of what we spent three years doing and all the changes we made over the those three years and everything I learned over those three years, you know, and that informed that decision. And I, I was really happy with what we have now. And I don't think rushing it is going to make the product any better. I'm imagining and just assuming that at some point when that is open, you'll be hosting poetry nights and, you know, giving those poems that you wrote back in grad school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still write. I mean, I write a lot. I, I have a lot of poems in my notes on my phone that I, you know, I'm still, it's just, that's like, it's a compulsion. I can't, I can't help it, you know? So I do want to do that. I mean, right now I don't have time, but you know, we before the pandemic, we were hosting, you know, we had like a wild, like 300 person show in this tiny little <laughs> space. And it was amazing. It was the most incredible thing I've ever seen And art everywhere that we had like maybe 20 artists and like five, four, three or four bands. And it was just packed to the gills. It was a great event. And I mean, like, that's what that's what we want to do. And, and I mean, that's why we did an outdoor space with this new one is, is just you know, we, we realize like outdoor, yeah, having 300 people in an outdoor space is like super cool. And hopefully I get up, get up and read some poems, but I also want to have that space for other people to express themselves and to, to bring their art to the world. That's awesome. Yeah. Bringing people together is what coffee is about. It's why I love coffee. Oh, totally. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have or anything that we didn't cover that we want people to know about Milka, about you? Oh, I feel like when I, I feel like I had something for this. <laughs> I had an answer for this and now I'm like, I'm spacing. I thought about it this morning. I was like, I'm going to tell everyone about this thing. And now I'm completely spacing on it. But I don't know. I just, I want everyone to be happy. I, you know, I want everyone to, to like enjoy whatever experience. I think, you know, the people are so competitive in these spaces and it's not really about competition. It's about collaboration. And, and, you know, that's what I hope we are able to do. And that's what I want people to know about Milka is like, let me know, let's, let's do something. Let's hang out. Let's talk. Let's figure things out. I, you know, I'm not always available cause I'm working on like so many things. And now I live like out in the mountains in the woods because I was like I need to I need to move out there I need to get out of get out of get out of town and and like be able to think because I got so much going on inside of Sacramento I'm, I don't get the time to think anymore so it's like I, I just want people to to uh to you know hit me up say hi and let's let's do something together let's collaborate and let's make something and let's specifically in Sacramento let's make Sacramento one of those cities that you know, people come to and tell their friends about. And, you know, we have got a lot of people out there that are huge advocates for our city. And we want to keep, uh, we want to keep, keep that going. So uh, anyone who, who wants to, to, uh, to grow this place, you know, let me know.
also, the bigger Sacramento gets, the better the Kings will get. So I want everyone to know that if we grow big enough, the Kings will get better. That's, that's, that is, I'm sticking to it. That's the story. <laughs> Come on, man. You might, you might be waiting a while. I know we need at least Kings. a playoff bird. Come on, get us to the playoffs. I want to go to a playoff game. It felt like the Kings were like on the precipice about three seasons ago and it just never materialized. You know, they had some good young talent and then it was like, what happened well, here? Yeah, we keep firing coaches. We need to just find a coach, stick with them for seven years, and there you go. And then we'll build. be great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got to build. If you go out to another coffee shop and you're driving in from the woods uh, and you just need a cup of coffee or you need something, what do you order for yourself? Usually I'll get like a pour over whatever the uh, barista recommends. Like I go, what's your favorite pour over on the menu? If they don't have pour over, batch brew, and a shot of espresso. So kind of like a pretty hefty one-in-one kind of deal. <laughs> you know, like the the uh, the, co- the coffee the coffee kids one-in-one. You get the espresso and the, the black coffee or the pour over, and you just sit there, and then you leave there very caffeinated. So, yeah. Very much so. Well, Samir, I, I just really appreciate your time. I'm feeling very inspired by our conversation. Thank you and excited to make a stop in Sacramento at some point in the future. Uh, Thanks for being on the show. Totally. Thank you, Ryan. This was awesome. Before I recap today, I want to say thanks to Samir for all the effort he put in to make sure this episode happened. I really enjoyed this conversation, and he reminded me of my youngest brother. In addition to the look and style, His positivity, his willingness to see the good in humanity, and the desire to be a torch that leads the way are traits that they both share. Okay, to recap the show. If you happen to be in downtown Sacramento and craving a cup of coffee, look for the arched green door. It will be at the front of a historic Queen Anne Victorian home that Samir, with help from his family and friends, turned into the ever-evolving space that is Milka Coffee. I really appreciate his theory that the space and the business are living entities. There is always moving, improving, tweaking to be done as the business adapts in a changing marketplace and to the changing demands of the community. In that way, being an entrepreneur is kind of like flowing along in one of those NorCal rivers that cleave through the heart of Sacramento. And for the record, the width of the Sacramento River crossing nearest Milka Coffee is about a thousand feet, or two-tenths of a mile quite a bit further than most of us could toss a baseball. And continuing on the theme of evolution, Samir has a second cafe location in the works. It is primarily an outdoor space inspired in part by the potential of another COVID, which we've discussed on this show as something that anyone opening a new business is likely taking into account now. That second location will also be a way for Samir and Milka Coffee to celebrate the outdoors and share that celebration with their customers, friends, and neighbors. With that space and his efforts with Milka, Samir wants to inspire other Sacramentans to do cool things that enhance the community and inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs and community members to stick around and continue creating cool things. We didn't get a chance to chat about it during this episode, but Milka Coffee Roasters is unique in that they have a no-tipping policy, and they have from the beginning, meaning that they include tips, taxes, and fees into the price of your cup of coffee. 
and then they pay baristas a set salary. Baristas then know how much they are going to earn each paycheck without waiting for tips to be calculated. This helps them better plan their lives and avoid the fear of working a slow shift. Finally, as a basketball fan, I wish Samir and the city of Sacramento luck, but I don't know that the Kings will ever get better. Check out milkacoffee.com to see what coffees are currently on offer and to order a bag or see more photos of the space. You can find that link in this podcast's show notes. This isn't coffee related, but this show is being released on May 31st. Tomorrow is the first day of Pride Month. Pride Month is an extension of Pride Day, which is coming up on June 28th. Pride Day originated as a remembrance of the Stonewall Riots. Those riots were a response to a police raid of the Stonewall Inn, a gay club in Greenwich Village in New York City, on June 28, 1969. For six days, protesters demanded the right to be able to live openly about their sexual orientation without fear of arrest. It was a watershed moment in American history. We've come a long way since then, but there's still a long way to go towards equality in America. The history surrounding the riots is really interesting, and it is a great starting point for learning more about Pride Month. Check out the newsletter at roastwestcoast.com for a collection of links to learn more about Pride Month and how the Pride movement has grown over 50-plus years. And, of course, you can subscribe to this show. You can subscribe for free, and I'll send this podcast to your email every single week. That way, you don't have to go and find it on some obscure podcast platform like Apple Podcasts or Spotify something nobody's heard of. Or you can give this show a boost by choosing a paid subscription monthly or annual. You'll get access to the Bean Journal and paid subscriptions and our sponsors are the reason we can keep this program going every single week. The first paid subscriber that signs up after this episode drops is going to receive a Live in the Dream coffee mug and a sticker pack from me at Roast West Coast. Thanks to everyone for supporting this show. And a special thanks to two listeners, Mandy and Jasmine, who I got to meet at Asento Coffee this week. You made my day when you said you listened to this podcast and then would go visit the shops of our interview guests. That was awesome. Speaking of sponsors, our roast industry partners are top-notch coffee and spirits professionals who not only make amazing coffees and whiskey, but they provide hospitality experiences like no other. Go get a great coffee by visiting Cafe La Terre, Moster Coffee Company, Steady State Coffee Roasting, Coffee Cycle Roasting, Camp Coffee Company, and Zumbar Coffee and Tea. And very soon, you'll be able to visit the new Ignite Coffee Company in Oceanside, California, and you can find Ascend Roasters Coffee at Old Cal Coffee in San Marcos, California. At the end of the day, mix a First Light Whiskey in with some Maria Coffee, and while you enjoy that, I'll shout out Cape Horn Coffee Importers for supplying quality green coffee products. If you want to say hello over a cup of coffee, I'll be hosting a booth at the Coffee Cycle Makers Market next Sunday morning, June 5th, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Look for the guy at the end with the overgrown beard, flannel shirt, with at least one, but probably two cups of coffee. I'll be there selling my new book, Future Eli and Future Jane, and passing out free Roast West Coast stickers. This show will be back later this week with another Coffee Smarter episode, featuring Ryan Sullivan of Moster Coffee Company we are going to talk about bourbon barrel aging coffees and some upcoming innovation in the industry. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, and has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity 
and coffee to make it through the day. For those of you headed out for a cup of coffee somewhere in the world this week, please always tip your baristas and be sure to drink good coffee. That's what that's that's a, on us to to tell people that you know that's like our that should be a, every roaster should be and coffee shop should be reminding their you know guests that like hey this is this is what this is you know not don't like force it in their face like don't be like this is like a geisha that was grown at twenty two hundred meters above sea level in Panama and. They put it in anaerobic fermentation for 120 hours and there's only six pounds of this on earth and you should look, you know, we shouldn't be doing that, but we should be like, hey man, just letting you know that this was grown by like actual people who, you know, we pay fair living wage to, that we buy their coffee from this cooperative that pays them, you know, you don't have to go that far into it. You just go like, hey, this is by this person and just mention their name or mention the cooperative, you know, just little things to kind of remind people that there's another person on the end of it and that paying like a dollar more for what we should be touting as a luxury item is really not that, not that bad. Yeah. I'll leave it with, I'll leave you with saying that, uh, that person on the other end, and this is something I try to remind myself is if I am buying kind of that cheaper thing or I'm getting the better deal or the luxury is coming to me, there's probably somebody on the other side of that that is getting shorted. So where, how can I find like that middle, that middle place where we're, neither of us are getting shorted. Maybe I don't get the the best deal ever. I don't get the most max benefit that I could, but I'm also not hurting anyone. And to me, that is part of that benefit, right? Yeah. And that's why I'm looking into profit sharing with producers because that, that shares the buck at the end of the chain, instead of just giving them something in the middle that takes 120 days to get to them. I like beer. Hey everyone, if you like the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, you might also appreciate the I Like Beer the Podcast. Listening to these guys is like being a fly on the wall of the pub with a few of your favorite mates having a pint. These professional beer appreciators have plenty of stories to share on everything from the mating habits of penguins to their behind-the-scenes brewery experiences. Check out the I Like Beer the Podcast wherever you are listening to this show about coffee, or head to ilikebeerthepodcast.com.